My name is Tom Brewster. I'm the president of Engage Hope Ministries. We're a missions organization, and we uh, we send mission teams to three areas of the world right now: Uganda, Mexico, and India, uh, South Asia. And uh, we've been blessed to have an opportunity to do schools and education for students in the Uganda area. My passion is the Great Commission, and every place we have an opportunity to share the gospel and to share the good news to someone who's never heard it before. That's my favorite part of it. Bringing you the stories of athletes, celebrities, and everyday Christians doing extraordinary things. It's time for The Walk with Frito and Shivers. Thank you, Jessica. Now I'm going to throw it to my partner, David Shivers. Well, thank you, Frito. It's uh, an honor uh, to be with you guys again. Another day, morning, evening. Not sure when you're choosing to download this podcast, but we've got a good friend of mine and a a good friend, a a new recent friend of Mark's that you recently met on a trip we took uh, just a week or so ago to Mexico. Tom Brewster with us. Tom, thank you for being here today. Man, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. That trip was so amazing. Wasn't it? It really was. We got to talk about it a little bit. Um, I've been, had had the privilege, I've, I've had the privilege of going on these trips now for, I can't remember my first one, but I've been privileged to go a number of times. And Tom Brewster has been on every one of these trips as he has uh, mentioned before, he's the, the president of Engage Hope Ministries. Tell us a little bit about, uh, Tom, about yourself. I know you've got a, a business background and, and, and you're a, a faithful leader serving the Lord here at, at the local church at Prestonwood, right. uh, your church home. And, uh, and God just kind of raised up you and Risa and gave you a, a heart, uh, really, uh, in the fulfillment of the Great Commission, but a heart for, for missions and seeing people come to know Jesus. How did Engage Hope get started? Well, Engage Hope has been uh, going since about 2010, and we were one of several people that were sponsoring kids uh, in Uganda. And at the time, we were just a sponsor, uh, like many other people were with Engage Hope Ministries. But God started working in our lives, and as you said, David, uh, Risa and I and our family have been at Prestonwood for 22 years now. Yeah. And it has been such a blessing to watch our kids get raised in this church um, we're just so, so grateful for everything this church has been able to provide for our family. And in small ways, we've tried to serve uh, the church and, and return that and for other people's benefit and, and for you know spreading the gospel. But probably seven or eight years ago mm-hmm. is when the Lord really started working on my heart. And it was because of one of our kids going on a mission trip with Prestonwood Baptist Church went to Romania for the high school choir mission trip one year, a long time ago. And when she came back, she was just so changed. She was crying on our ride back from the airport. And wow. She said, you know, Mom, Dad, I don't want you all to take this the wrong way, but I don't want to be here. I want to be back in Romania. Impressive. And we just saw God reaching out and touching her heart. And so we started cultivating that, of course, and looking for other ways to help her uh, to see if this was, in fact, a way that God was leading her. And in the course of doing that, God started God touching our own your hearts. heart. Yeah. And that has a lot to do with why we're doing what we're doing now. You know, our own kids helping to, to guide us in a, in a way that uh, God wants to change our lives. Sometimes we, we're not paying attention to that. But in this case, it, it was such a blessing to see that change in her life and how that's impacted us. So how many countries have you been to? I'm not sure exactly. It's not a, uh, you know, maybe six or seven. You're not it's, keeping score? It's not that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the number of countries. It's the number of times into each country that uh, over the last five years. Mm-hmm. 
because prior to starting to work here at Engage Hope Ministries, I had never personally been on an international mission trip. Now, I had paid for my wife and all my kids to go, to go yeah. but it seemed like I was always the one home, not going on the trips. So before uh, January of 2013, I had never been on a trip. And uh, I think we were calculating the other day. I think I've been on about 28. Since, since then. January of 2013. Yeah. Since wow. 2013. That's impressive. Just over four years. So being responsive to what God's doing in in the heart of one of your children. And I know Blackaby's got that whole book that was huge there for a season, right? I think I've even heard you talking about experiencing yeah, God. Like find out, see where God's moving and, and jump in there. Well, sure. Start engaging. Well, you know, and when that came out back in the mid-90s, well, I took that course uh, with, a, yeah. with a group of men, and it was powerful. And to your point, I mean, it really opened my eyes to understand how easy it was to understand what God's will for my life was. I was trying to make it so complicated. I think we all do that. And, you know, that, that study helped me to understand, just look around you, mm-hmm. see what God's doing all around you, and just join in. Yeah. Then And that played a huge role role in how uh, we came to the place where we're at. But um, there was another class that we took called Perspectives. That was a powerful class on missions and the history of missions, how God's been working through the ages, through the decades and centuries to fulfill his mission. And when we started reading through the scriptures with that in our minds and how everywhere you turn, God was talking about all the nations and reaching all the nations. Uh, Just, it just made it more, we realized more that we just weren't doing that in our lives like we should be. And God really convicted us. Yeah. You know, the the all the nations thing. I've always been, and as you know, going on the trip, it was the first time I'd ever left the country. And I'd always been the kind of jerk that would say, you know, there's enough people to help in the United States. I don't need to go somewhere else to help them. This trip really showed me how wrong I was. And something that Paul Pogue said to me when we're talking together is just the two of us. And pointed out that, look, you know, people are people no matter what country they're in. You know, yeah. it's, yeah, yes, the, you're not you're a United States citizen, but people are people wherever you go. And that was really eye-opening to me to leave the country for the first time and to, to experience that. Yeah, and just to see that universal, I think, just to your point, need for every human being, every person these nations that Tom mentioned, again, every one of those human beings have this universal problem called sin that can only be accounted for by the, the perfect uh, life and sacrifice uh, of Jesus, our Savior. And so go back to, that's why it's so important for us to go and to be on, on mission and to join God where he's moving. Go back to, you talked about in my role uh, as, a, as a pastor at Prestonwood, I try to emphasize with men kind of what you said a moment ago just the simplicity of God's will. I think we can kind of overanalyze and experience some paralysis by analysis, if you will, trying to search through the scriptures or pray or seek all this godly counsel. Tom Brewster's words, um, businessman, well, now leading a, a mission-sending organization. What would you say is, is God's will for, for every man? We have a tendency to be pretty selfish in the way we look at and read our Bibles. We see these blessings that God gives us and we quote them. I mean, I'll, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven is one of my favorite verses and all these blessings that we can grasp and, and really cling to, especially during difficult times. But sometimes I think we're kind of looking inwardly more than we should be looking outwardly. And the way I, I describe it is this. For a long time, the question I asked was, what is God's will for my life? When the real question I should have been mm. asking first was, what is God's will? Because if I don't know what his will is, I'm going to make a mistake. 
if I don't, if I'm trying to, to do something that's not within his will. So I have to know what his will is first, and then he's going to reveal to me how that will looks as it relates to my my life and what he's, he has planned for me. And that's why, as I was reading the scriptures and the Great Commission, yeah. you know, really, that's the only job he's given us, right? The, the last words of Jesus Christ were to go into all the nations, nations all the yeah. world, and, and make disciples and preach the gospel. And that is a powerful, powerful commandment we've been given. And unfortunately, you know, if we, we looked at this from a strictly business perspective, none of us would be very good employees if our our job was to to do this one job and one task. Right. And then if you were being honest with yourself, well, how much are you doing that one task? Yeah. You've probably been fired a long time ago, right? Pretty but convicting. God says, yeah. this is, you're the only tool I've got. You are my ambassador. There you is no the plan B. only tool. There is no plan B. And so if you don't go, they're not going to hear. Mm. Uh, Frito, I just wanted to say one thing, too, about what you said. It's not just other nations, though. It, it's true. I mean, he says to start where you live. Mm-hmm. So yep. our neighborhoods is our mission field. That should be our first mission field, our family, our neighborhoods, where we live, where we do work, where we do life. And, and then as God expands that, then I think the, all the nations come into play. Yeah, that just reminds me on the walk, we try to work in as much scripture as we possibly can in our interviews with different people. And Acts 1.8, to your point, uh, Tom, Acts 1.8, Jesus, and that final few moments before he ascends back to the right hand of the throne of the Father, he's with his guys, his disciples, that he's had spent three years of his life. He's, I mean, just think about the most important things you were to say to somebody that you yep. cared about so much that you're not going to see anymore physically in that form. And you're leaving, and he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. And so that's a great reminder, Tom, that it's right here in our own neighborhoods, our Jerusalem. And then Judea, our city, our state, our country, right here. You know, Paul says it another way in Second Corinthians 5.20, another one of my favorite verses. It says, we are Christ's ambassadors and God making his appeal through us. Yeah. We're ambassadors. And, you know, sometimes when I teach this, I remind people that an, amb- an ambassador is on call 24-7. You can't be an ambassador for the United States in another country Right, nine to five. Anywhere you go, they know you're the you're ambassador. the representative. You're that's the representative, right. and that's the way we are, we should be as Christians is re- realizing that we are always on call. We're always on the job. There's never a time that we're not going to be uh, considered ambassadors for Christ. And so we've got to. It's a huge responsibility that we have to uh, be very aware of. In all the time that you've spent outside the country, have there been any situations that were I don't want to say scary situations, but tricky situations, situations where you had to kind of manage. Well, a little was, fall in India, ring a bell? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, we've had a few things happen <laughs> from time to time, uh, usually of my own doing. It wasn't because I was in danger so much. I was in Uganda two years ago during elections, and that can be a little tricky when you're in a third world country, elections are not done the way they are here in the United States. We take that for granted. There's a lot of uh, strong arming that goes on. And and I remember that they had uh, two opponents and one was the incumbent. The other was the guy trying to come in and kind of break that that glass ceiling. And well, they, they had uh, hand language or hand um, motions. So if you saw someone on the street and you wanted to recognize that you were, you were voting for this one person, then you would give a thumbs up. Uh, or if it was the other uh, candidate, 
then you it kind of looked like you were pointing a finger at someone but that was the hand motion well i didn't know there were hand motions and i'm sitting in a car they're lined up to vote at this one polling place and I see some friends in line, and so I give them the thumbs up. And unfortunately, the candidate <laughs> everyone the in that candidate. line was going to vote for was not the thumbs up candidate. And they uh, <laughs> it was the pointer candidate. <laughs> it was the pointer candidate. That was a little nervous. If I could share one story though, and it's not a story that was made me fearful or anything, but it just reminded me of how God works. We were in India. We were doing uh, church visits uh, these small church house churches that had been planted mm -hmm. and there were about 15 20 people in this house church we shared our faith what we were doing as that we were there were two of us one would share a testimony and then the other would share the plan of salvation and then our translator would translate and we would ask uh, anyone that would like to accept Christ well so uh, some people accepted Christ but then we had a time of prayer and an old lady came up to me and asked me to pray for her husband that he was an alcoholic he'd never heard of the gospel we did so his name was Ramesh we prayed for Ramesh one of the new uh, Christians asked us if we would leave their this apartment where we were at and go to his apartment and he would invite people around his apartment to come and hear us so we said okay we walked a couple of streets in Delhi it's just crowded smelly it's it's crazy. We went to his apartment. Well, people started coming in, and this old man plopped down right in front of us. The pastor said, this is that lady's husband. And I said, oh, you mean Ramesh? And he said, yes, this is Ramesh. We were so excited. We had a chance to actually witness to this man we had just prayed for. We shared the gospel. When we got through, we said, would anyone like to accept Christ? Well, Ramesh started speaking in Hindi and very uh, adamant and uh, verbal, and he was raising his hands. And uh, the pastor said, he's saying that he has heard this story that you just shared before. I said, so is he a believer? And he said, no, he's trying to tell me a story. Hold on. He tells this story to the pastor. The pastor turns after a few minutes to me. He says, you're not going to believe this. He said, Ramesh is from a village 350 kilometers away. He's an old man, remember. He said in 1965, he remembers he was walking on a trail and a box fell out of the sky close to the trail. And he looked up and there was a plane circling his village and it had dropped two or three other boxes he looked in this box and it was full of books he collected the box went back into the village it was in his language he could read it he took one of these books in 1965 he started reading this book over and over and over again and he said today when you were talking about the bible he said where you read he remembered reading this and so the the pastor says he must have had a new testament that's mm -hmm. what he had. And I said, well, what happened after these books were dropped? And the pastor said, Ramesh told him that uh, they waited for someone to come and tell them what to do. But nobody came. He said, so now you're here to tell him what he needs to do. Wow. 49 years wow. after Bibles had been dropped in his village. In his village, in his native language. He was able to hear the gospel. He had never heard the gospel before. And he accepted Christ. They're saying it was worth the wait? It was worth the wait. <laughs> yeah. 49 wow. years later. That's just one of many stories that's that are coming out. Way impressive. Out. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It makes me think about heaven and how good heaven's going to be when you get to have unlimited time with all the believers in the world and just to hear a story like that of Ramesh. Coming to know Christ, that'd be amazing. Just, it's an encouragement to all of us because we always feel frustrated sometimes. We don't know what to say, or maybe what we say, it doesn't look like anybody's listening. And yeah. I just want to remind You've everybody, Isaiah before. 55 says, God says, my word will accomplish what 
I plan for it to accomplish. It's mm -hmm. not going to return void, is what That's right. the King James Version says. Yep. But he says, it will accomplish my goals. And it doesn't matter if it's 49 years later. We know that God's Word is true. And if he says it's going to accomplish something, we can believe that it will. Yep, we just got to be faithful to share it, right, Tom? That's exactly right. It's good. Okay, so so a couple things about my first experience on one of these missions. And, and David can tell you, I didn't think I would ever be on one of these trips ever and something pastor graham and i and we talked about yesterday david when we had lunch was pastor graham was saying that it's just it's there's something about being on one of these trips with a bunch of guys that you really get to know each other yeah and there the were a couple guys dynamic. on this trip that were just really really impressive and one was a guy named brandon what's brandon's last stewart. name it's brandon stewart yeah. and you know first of all he's way impressive with the construction right okay? but the thing that that was also very impressive and i experienced a little of this also i couldn't I, I speak very little spanish but i was able to in a way communicate with with the people um, without knowing the language without knowing what right. they were saying i could tell by tone of voice that Okay, this person's complaining about something, or this yeah. person's happy. You know, right? Or this person has quite. Yeah. When when we went to the little the colonia area, yeah, the the, the slum area, the slum area. Yes, yeah. we didn't have that many people that could speak Spanish, and Brandon could speak what he called construction Spanish. Right. And we assigned him as one of the interpreters, and you could tell that he was not comfortable in being yeah. assigned as an interpreter. And he was just being honest. You know, look, I don't think that I know enough Spanish. Right. And we separated into two groups. And when we met back together, the reports on Brandon were that he was amazing. He was amazing. I was on that group or with that group. And I can tell you that um, as we went forward, as we were talking with more and more, he became much more comfortable. And uh, that first one we shared shared the uh, shared with i actually had to get on my phone and, and type in a couple of words and mm -hmm. do a translation real quick but after that it was like man brandon just picked it up and took off and, and, and it was awesome later on that night when people were complimenting him telling him what a yeah. great job he did what he said was just and it, it just stuck with me was that hey it wasn't me it was the lord there's no there's probably no way i should have been able to do that and somehow some way he was in a position and he was able to do it and he did a great job it was it was wonderful to watch that all all the guys that's the thing about these trips pastors write about you build a bond there's just something special it's a mountaintop experience and it's, yeah. it's intended to be that because you're doing a couple of things number one you're intentionally serving others which we all know we should be doing right. so right then you know man i feel good about the place yeah. i'm in mm -hmm. you're and being obedient second, secondly you're observing and seeing things that you don't get uh, get to see very much here in the united states and it's a very sobering experience because you see suffering, you see poverty, and you realize just how desperate some of these people are and what they need and how you can help and make a difference. So, so those two combinations together make a short-term mission trip one of the most powerful things you can do in your, in your Christian uh, walk, I believe. And uh, the key, though, is that once you come home, you don't let that start to die down. Yeah, A yeah. lot of times people will... Remember, maybe they've taken some pictures and they'll go look at some pictures and then a month goes by, six months, they've forgotten all about it and they're back in the same road they used to be. So you bring up a great point and I've seen that happen and we know that those short-term mission trips can be so powerful and transformational. What would be maybe a couple of tips, two or three, that you would give? Uh, maybe there's some guys that are listening right now that think, man, I, I know exactly what he's talking about and I've come home off that mountaintop and it's... And, and, and I and I've and I've 
hit a, 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 dry, a rut or a dry patch, what would be two or three things you would tell guys as they're coming back to try to sustain and keep that? We know we can't always live on the mountaintop, but just in the day-to-day grind of life to, to continue to, to stay there being obedient and, and walking in the Spirit. You know, the first thing I would say is that if you're in a good church, that church has a thousand opportunities for you to serve. And if you're not serving, you need to be serving in your church. So that would be the first place I would look. But oh. I would re- I would just be reminded that that experience, while it's emotional, you know, that's the part that we sometimes have uh, a big letdown on is yeah. because we're no longer emotional and we kind of drained those feelings. <laughs> now the grind of coming back home and being back in your daily routine and you know, four kids if you've got them and everything that happens and you just don't think you've got enough time. But we have to prioritize. We have to make it, intentionally make it a priority every single day. And one way to do that is to get into a group of other like-minded men. You know, I think of the men's Bible studies on Friday mornings, you know, that you do. My gosh, that's a huge, huge way to stay plugged in, stay reinvigorated. And and, uh, because you're watching other men, you're hearing some of their testimonies, and you may not be on a trip one week and somebody else is and they've come back and they've given a testimony that's going to spark a, a memory in your own mind you've got to it's be good. around people that have a like-minded uh attitude and, and want to do the same things or else you're going to die and mm-hmm. then of course getting involved getting engaged uh starts with your family mm-hmm. it's the hardest thing to do to witness to people that you know there's something we all get embarrassed about that you know You're absolutely 100% correct about that. How funny is it that we can be so bold 1,500 miles away from home to someone you've never heard of and don't even speak the language. Yeah, to someone who can't understand (laughs) what you're saying, you're fine. you can be so bold for Christ and you come home and you can't say three, put three words together, you know? But we've got to get over that. And that, that's the hardest thing to overcome. And that's where the relationship with these other men and being in a small group, having a mentor, someone else that you're talking with on a regular basis, that's key. You know, I've, I've said this before to David, the whole like-minded and, and, and being around the right people. You know, growing up, your parents always said, you know, choose your friends wisely and, you know, the influence that your friends have in your childhood. But it works all the way through adulthood. Yeah. And, you know, you start really hanging does. out with the right people. And it really can have a great impact on you. And I know that firsthand. You know, one, one thing I did uh, when God really convicted me that I was not being intentional, the, the street I lived on, I went to Google Maps and I pulled it up on the satellite and I took a little snapshot, print screen, put it on my computer, and I wrote down all the addresses because it didn't have it on there, of course. And then I put the names of the people that I knew that were on that street. And there were a lot that I didn't have any clue who Mm. lived in those houses. Right. And then one night, Risa and I, my wife, decided we would just walk down our street and knock on doors and just tell them, hey, I live in this house two doors down or whatever. I'm your neighbor. I just wanted to come and meet you. And that's fantastic. You think about how few people actually take that step. I mean, that's it's amazing. It's a faith journey right there. It was so at first people would open the door just to crack because they don't know who you are. And mm-hmm. we're so afraid in our, you know, in our communities yeah. now, who is this person? Yeah. I've never, I don't know who you are, but as soon as I said that I was a neighbor and I pointed to the house that I lived in, mm-hmm. you could see they relaxed. Yeah. And 
And then we, we just had, um, we invited them all to come over to our house and eat hamburgers one night. Mm-hmm. And not everybody showed up. About five or six couples did, though. Yeah. And that became a relationship right there. that we didn't have before. Those were little simple things, and it didn't require me to take my Bible under my arm yeah. and just, you know, right away, get right to the point. I started by trying to build a relationship. Mm-hmm. So just to summarize, guys, gals, uh, men, women coming back from short-term mission trips, uh, get involved, get engaged with a local church, a body of believers where the Bible's being taught and where you're encouraged in worship. Number two, you said to make it a priority. Uh, make it set aside time. Make your relationship with the Lord the priority that He longs for it to be. And then the third thing you said was get uh, connected in a small group, uh, maybe a men's Bible study, maybe a Bible fellowship class at whatever church you're going to. But I think that's great sound advice that uh, I know I, I'm encouraged by and that many others I think can glean from. It's good. Thank you for sharing that. That is some great advice from Tom. And coming up next, Tom's going to tell you whether or not David Shivers is a bully on the basketball court. He's got a lot to say about that. But first, I want you to hear from some of our great sponsors at Benchmark Mortgage. They're doing fantastic work at Benchmark, and we'll be right back with The Walk. My name is Tom Sherman. I'm with Benchmark Mortgage here in Dallas. We're a large, privately held mortgage bank here in the Dallas area, actually licensed in about 40 states. And one of the things that makes Benchmark unique is that in a world that has really been disrupted with everything that's occurred in the financial industry in the last several years, Benchmark is a company that really focuses on the stewardship of the client. We want to make sure that we don't just help people get into a mortgage loan. We want to help them make sure that they get into the right mortgage loan that's that's really going to help them get to a better place financially and be better stewards of their resources. Right now, the mortgage market is very, it's very commoditized. The same products, the same rates, the very similar fees from one lender to the next. And what really separates us as a company is our focus on not just getting a loan, but helping the client get the right loan for their needs. Best way to reach me is uh, cell phone, 214-680-1166. Or my email, which is tom.sherman at benchmark.us. My name's Dan Harker. I'm a part of the Harker Five Star Team. Uh, we're with Keller Williams Realty. We help families buy and sell homes. We help investors buy homes. We help people with new construction. We help people sell ranches. We help people buy ranches, not just residential. And we cover the North Dallas, Dallas County, Collin County, Tarrant County areas as a team. Uh, best way to get a hold of me is on my cell phone, which is 214-957-1111, or on my email address, dan at danharker.com. Hey, this is Todd Metton with Wingstop. I am elated and excited to sponsor The Walk with Shivers and Frito. Okay, so Tom, I know that you've known David for a while, and I worked with someone who's played some basketball with David. And this person told me that he has seen David, and I don't know whether it's true or not, but he has seen David (laughs) reduce people to tears on the basketball court. (laughs) Now, how true is that? How close to accurate is that? Wow. Now, is that tears of joy or tears of sorrow or pain? You Just may have tears to of wanting to cower Clarify. down in a You're corner. putting me in a tough spot here because I do plan to play with him again sometime <laughs> in the future. I don't want to be that one reduced to tears in the future. <laughs> I tell you what, David is one of the most competitive guys I've ever been around. And if I can be politically correct in the way I answer this, I hope you appreciate this. Um, the... Um, we're all friends here. Yeah. Just say it. Tom. Well, the intensity that he has on the basketball court 
doesn't, it's like one tenth of the intensity I've seen him have on the mission field. And I'm just going to say that this man here, I don't want to speak you. so much about <laughs> basketball and maybe how the flesh might get into him a little bit because the <laughs> flesh gets into all of us. But I will just say that I never realized how much I liked this man until I saw him on the mission field and watched him in action, sharing his faith with everyone that he touched. It is really impressive. It's very impressive. Well, I appreciate that from both of you uh, men that I look up to and and, and uh, count as dear friends. But Tom, Wait, do, do you want to confess that you have reduced the people to tears? <laughs> no, I'm not going to confess. Do you know who that. told me that? <laughs> no. Okay, I'll tell you after we finish reporting. Okay. We might have, they, yeah, I don't know. We have to protect the innocent on air here when this airs. But uh, but no, Michael Irving. I um, Tom has a sweet jump shot. And uh, is very athletic. Uh, as all of us get older and advanced in age, I've seen very few men that can jump like Tom Brewster can. He is like a, on a pogo stick out there. In our older, advanced age, Tom, there are very few guys that can get up like well, uh, young Brewster. Well, the problem is when I land, the bones don't work <laughs> like they used to work, and so and the ankles are a little the more ankles are much jelly-like <laughs> now than they are stable. That's exactly right. Oh, man. But you grew up playing a lot of different sports. I did, yeah. uh, I guess, stayed connected to the game. What would you say is your favorite one to watch, to play, to cheer for? I hate to say I'm a bit of a bandwagon person, but I am. I'll have to admit the, the amount of time I spend watching my favorite teams really varies on how well they're doing. I love the Mavericks. I love the Rangers. I love the Cowboys. I'm a Dallas Yeah, local guy. Born and raised here in Dallas. I'm a Texan through and through. By the way, that makes you normal. Okay, excellent. That doesn't make you bandwagon. That makes you normal. What I'm saying is I will will listen or watch uh, more frequently based on how well they're doing. Being in in sports radio, especially being in management, I was very sensitive to that because the kind of sports fan I was before I got into the business – if the Cowboys lost on Sunday, yeah, my parents were worried about me. I'd be depressed until the next game, until their next win. And being in sports talk radio, I realized that if the Cowboys lost, and a lot of people thought that, that, I was, that I was yeah. wrong here, but I know my focus group of one, if the Cowboys <laughs> lost, I didn't watch the sports that night. I didn't want to do anything at all related to the Cowboys because it just brought back bad memories. Amen. So as a, as a programmer in sports radio, I was always worried when the Cowboys lost that our ratings would go down. Well, I can tell you as a kid, when the Rangers came to town from Washington back in 72 or 73, I can't remember exactly, we didn't have 72, I only remember that because it was the year I was born. Okay, well, I was was born a couple of years before that. So, uh, But we didn't have a TV in our house all growing up, but we had a radio. And I would listen to Ranger broadcasts on the radio just every day that I could. And so that's my earliest memory of professional sports of any kind is listening to Rangers broadcasts on the radio. And then, of course, Sunday afternoon watching Cowboy games yeah, uh, and uh, trying to find a friend's house that had a TV to go see the game. Okay, that's <laughs> a completely go. different episode. How long did you go without a TV? Uh, I graduated from high school. We didn't have a TV all the way through my high school years. Wow. I was about six when they, my parents decided we didn't need a TV anymore. And uh, so, but, so the I radio. Res- I, I respect that. Yeah, that's I definitely didn't unique. At the time, I man. understand. I was I'll really know. bummed out. But yeah. uh, <laughs> we liked it, but not, young Tommy didn't. 
For sure. What? Uh, so tell us your favorite, maybe one of your favorite cowboy memories growing up when you um, well, snuck out I, and found a t- contraband TV at somebody else's man, house to I'll tell watch you, it. I can remember the, the bad times better than I can the good times, actually. It's those memories of those Super Bowls back in the 70s against oh. Pittsburgh. Those are my worst memories, but they haunt me more than anything. And I'm sorry, I saw the Jackie Smith the drop, Jackie and, Smith. Yeah, you know, I and, and I, I'm sorry, Jackie I Smith, because I know Jackie you're Smith's a great name. guy. But I, that has to be one of my worst puts memories. Puts me in a dark place. Well, that one, Nelly Cruz uh, for the Rangers. Oh, uh, I was at that game, and it's an awful, awful memory. The, that one hurts maybe worse for this. me. That hurts worse than Jackie Smith because as a as a Ranger fan, all these years, that was our one. That was our first chance. We, I just knew yes. we were going to do it. Oh. I just knew we were going to do it. And and by the way, the Jackie Smith, there was still some game left to be played. The, yeah. the, the Nelly Cruz, if he makes that catch, it's over. It is yeah, over. Yeah, I mean, that's a long game. St. Louis, so, man. I can't. <laughs> it, it was so bad being there that night. It was so awful. So, oh, man. But, you know, I love uh, 2011, the Mavericks winning the championship. That's one of my favorites. And, yep, I was at know, that game. David and I shared through, that night Running together. through San yep, Antonio right. to get there, that was a great – Oh. Uh, man, that was a great series. Yep. And uh, so, nobody expected us. I mean, gosh. no, no, nobody. And, you know, for Dirk, if nothing else, it was just great to Dirk to just caught fire in a bottle. Crazy. That Oklahoma City game up there on the road just took over. It was a great memory. Yeah, it really was. So I'm glad that I was born in Dallas because we've got great sports yes. memories. Great yes. sports town. Sure is. A lot of heartache and a lot of um, joy, too. So Absolutely. That's worked out pretty well. So how can people get involved with Engage Hope? You know, one of the, the things that we've been doing for the last uh, six or seven years is sponsoring kids. And as we've talked about already, there's such a need in these countries like Uganda, even in Mexico, but particularly Uganda and India, poverty is such a problem. Uganda is one of the poorest countries on, on the poorest continent in the world. And so we have developed a program of sponsorship that allows uh, some of these stu- these students that could do a w- good job and, and could get a Christian education if they had the funds. Uh, we give them the opportunity to have those funds by having American sponsors. And so our sponsorship program is very similar to m- many sponsorship programs you'll see all around the world. But basically it's going to focus on giving these students a Christian education in one of the schools that we support. So we know Fantastic. the school, yeah, we know the school they'll attend. We know the ministry leaders that they'll be up under and uh, so the money that's provided for these sponsorships will help pay for their food. Maybe the only meal they'll get all day is the meal that they'll get at that school and uh, for their Christian education and I can just tell you the very first kid that we sponsored I've his name's Julius, and he's been my sponsored child for six, seven years now. Now he's not in elementary anymore. He's in high school. And uh, two years from now, he's, he's probably going to be wanting to go to university. And I'm not sure if I can afford that or not, but we'll, we'll just pray, and maybe the Lord will provide. Well, but we have about 800 kids right now that we have sponsors for uh, in Uganda, and we could probably double that. All with Engage Hope. All with Engage Hope. Well, I know you told me about the little girl that I fell in love with That's at the right. orphanage. And and I'll be honest, I'm not going to be able to do it right now. Um, there hadn't been an hour that I've been awake mm-hmm. that I haven't thought about her. And what you were telling me about sponsoring her 
Yeah. It's not that much. No, uh, it depends. You know, that little girl, she's an orphan. She's been left at this orphanage many several years ago. She'll live her entire teenage life at this orphanage. But uh, what you were able to experience is this orphanage is amazing. Yes. And uh, she's one of the lucky mm-hmm. ones, one of the blessed ones. We think of these orphans as being, you know, not in such dire straits. Dire straits, but really the ones that are in these orphanages are the ones that are blessed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have two different levels. The the lower school level is 35 a month. If a student is going into the high school or what we call secondary, mm-hmm. they usually have to board, and it's more expensive. And those are $50 a month. But just for five, 600 bucks a year, you can give a child an education and a place to live and food every single day. And when you think about the difference that makes, and, and something Paul, I may edit this out, and you guys can tell me whether I should or not, but something Paul Pogue was telling me, about because I asked him, I said, you know, you've you've chosen Mexico to to do this, and Paul's doing great work in Mexico, and he explained to me that you know for for a little amount of money you can impact plenty of people compared to yeah. other countries, and the the fact of the matter is, yeah, for six hundred dollars, think of the difference that you can make in a child's life for six hundred dollars down there, and once again. Yeah, they're, they're people. People are people. And that's what God's called us to do as um, His children, as followers of Christ, is to care for them. I mean, that's James uh, James one twenty eight or twenty nine. But pure and undefiled religion is this: caring for widows and orphans in their need, and um, just being obedient. It's an incredible program. I know what is cool about our program is we receive all the report cards for the students so at the end of each term we collect those report cards we mail them out or email them out to every one of our sponsors we have notes that the children write to their sponsors we have times in the year where sponsors anytime they can write a note they want to write a note we can send it to that child and then we collect sometimes some uh, some gifts that the sponsors can send down there we have a shoe drive going on right now this summer so that we can get shoes for all the kids but it is the, the coolest part of it is that if you join one of our trips, you can actually see and visit with That's the child's amazing. sponsor. Yeah. You can't say that with every sponsorship program. Yep. So it's 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 a great, very personal program. We're very, very happy to participate in, and God's really blessed it over these last four or five years. I think when we started in 2013, uh, there were 90. We had 90 sponsored children, and now five, four and a half years later, we have 800. So God's really blessing it. Extraordinary. To God alone be the glory. Amen. Amen. I'd say it this way in uh, James one twenty seven, right there in the scriptures that uh, James encourages us in James one twenty seven that religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world and I know engage hope uh, through Tom Brewster's leadership along with uh, Paul Pogue and Larry Myers on their Mexico ministries are doing an incredible job loving and serving the least of these and it's making an impact okay and in the show notes if you're listening to this to get to the show notes you can either if you're listening on the web you can just click show notes if you're listening on your iphone just tap the logo of the walk and it will flip the screen and give you the show notes and i'll put the links to engage hope and all the information on how you can get involved also so go ahead and do that i encourage everyone to do this thank you so much Amen. Thanks for being with us, Tom. Appreciate your time. My pleasure. And um, thank you for all you're doing, uh, Mark. And uh, 
it's a uh, it's much needed in this industry and, and what you're trying to accomplish and uh, those of us that love sports it's so important for us to be able to put that together with uh, with what God's called us to do as well so it's uh, it's a blessing to be a part of it thank you thank you